1: and welcome to the Shackles Are Off podcast. Now, another bumper guest for Chris and I to bring to you, which we actually recorded a few weeks ago now. This guest, by the way, that we've got to come up before we start chatting everything else, Commonwealth Games and England and all that kind of stuff. This guest, brilliant guest, because um, he actually got a bit of a reference in the Kevin Peterson podcast, which we put out a few weeks ago, Chris, because you really look like Luke Wright. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure KP said that I was
2: a thinner version of Luke Wright and I'm delighted to hear that. Cheers, Kev.
1: A thinner version? A minute ago, before we started recording, it was a better-looking version. But... <laughs> I thought that was a bit harsh. He's still a handsome chap, isn't he? <laughs> oh, dear. Well, anyway, he was really good company, actually Luke Wright, and I think actually fairly undervalued and underrated, he falls into you know that kind of category of players who've been really good, helped t- t- turn around and transform but then actually kind of just fallen away a little bit, just discarded a little bit. He talks us through that, which is quite an interesting dynamic, really, because it was a a tricky one to breach. I think you brought it up with him actually from memory and said, what did it feel like, you know, the World Cup without, oh, winning the World Cup, you should have been part of that team kind of thing. And he, um, he he was quite, I mean, you know, if he didn't deal with it very well, goodness gracious, Chris, that would have been a disaster, but actually, he was, uh, yeah, he dealt with that one really, really well. So we're looking forward to uh, playing that in just a couple of moments' time. But just around the corner, the Commonwealth Games. In fact, actually, as we record this, starts today in Birmingham. Big celebration of sport in the West Midlands. In fact, actually, it's probably you could say, Chris, probably the biggest event that's ever been held in the West Midlands in terms of sport. I can't really think, I mean, obviously we've had the Cricket World Cup there and World Cup football matches, but in terms of like a big global event, massive, massive event.
2: Yeah, without doubt, without doubt. And it's going to be a very exciting time for the city, and what a city it is. We've had so many good times in Birmingham. On the Holly Stand, in and around Edgebaston's a place, and then obviously out and about on Broad Street later on in the evening, but it's definitely the place to go. Edgebaston will be hosting all of the competitive Um, fixtures, that the women's T20, um, will be playing for the Commonwealth Games for the first time, isn't it, Greggy? First time ever for cricket in the Commonwealth. Is that a good sign?
1: I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I do think. I did raise my eyebrows a bit because I thought it was, you know, all javelin and and archery and all the usual kind of stuff. I'm not even sure if they're both in it. I'm pretty sure they will be. But I was like, what is this all about? Cricket? But actually, I think it's a really good time for it. Um, So yeah, and it's T Twenty cricket, which is a nice, fast, obviously accessible way to get teams in. Um, and it's eight teams um, going head to head in the battle for gold. Got to be England, doesn't it? Gold medal. Got to be England. You, you thought. think so? I can't. The dropped a couple of players, which I thought, "What is this all about?" Heather Knight brutal saying. I think it's Tammy Beaumont that's been dropped, and I thought, "Hang on, Tammy Beaumont's like." First name on the team sheet, and she's she? Surely T20. No, no, no. She, strike rate too low, apparently. <laughs> I was like, wow. no way, she's getting quite brutal. So there we go. So um, anyway, that starts in the next couple of days, I think, the women's cricket tournament. And then that final takes place on Sunday, the 7th of August. Chris, who do you want in the final? England who? It's got to be England-Australia,
2: hasn't it? Got to be in Australia. Tickets for just eight quid. That is unbelievable for uh, under-16s and £15 for adults. You've got to get yourself down there. You'll hopefully see some great group matches and then we'll beat the Aussies in the final to take that gold medal.
1: There will not be any cricket priced better than that anywhere in the country, I don't think, for the rest of the year. So definitely get on that. Birmingham2022.com to get your tickets. There you go. You are Welcome. Um, Chris, any other business before we get into Luke? Right, I'm trying to think what's happened since we last spoke. We've got obviously the ODI series. Shame it got rained off on Sunday in South Africa. Had that India white ball series as well. To be fair, which so was, much
2: cricket.
1: Uh, I know it's a lot, isn't it? And, and you're you're well more across it than me. Mm. So how how busy is that schedule until like literally is, the middle right. of next year? Well, it doesn't. It's relentless, really. To be honest,
2: no, no wonder Stokesy said that it wasn't tangible for him to play all three formats anymore. It's like there's very few players doing it now, and we're going to keep seeing the shift that way, which is a shame because you won't see the best players necessarily in each format of the game. But um, it is what it is. It's the product that is cricket now, and um, we move. We still go and watch. We follow. We love it. And um, one thing that was nice to see yesterday was. Moeen Ali hitting a ridiculous 50 off 16 balls in the T20. Unbelievable hitting from the boy. Like, absolutely unbelievable. What what a player, what a man, what a ledge. We need to get him
1: on. We do, actually. I can't believe we've not had Moeen Ali on the podcast yet. He's one of those players, isn't he? Because he's been doing it for so long. You, you've, you just kind of take him a little bit for granted. But, you know, if... There was a, a, a cricketing summer in England that, that came around and Mowing Alley was a new boy now. How excited would everybody be about him? Oh. That's, that's, what I, that's what I always think about these players that we kind of take for granted a little bit. A bit like Joss, a bit like Joe. You kind of go, if, if, if this player, if this was their first summer in England playing in an England shirt, we'd all be buzzing about Mowing Alley. Like, absolutely buzzing. And, and that's uh, that's quite a nice yardstick to have, yeah. to, to kind of measure him against. But yeah, brilliant.
2: Absolutely, well, it's, absolutely.
1: It's very busy, very busy this summer. Maybe this guy Luke Wright is going to get a call up. Maybe. You know what, Luke Wright.
2: I genuinely think he could have a statue in Australia one one day for all the work he did in um, in the BBL. Like, what a legend! I know we talk about it on there, but I was just thinking that. Yeah, Luke Wright, he's he's probably as famous in Australia for the work he did in the BBL as he is in England for winning the World Cup. So, yeah, well done, Luke. You've spent your winters well.
1: <laughs> he did. He did spend his winters as well. Right. Um, we we have we got anything else to get through? I don't think we do. We'll just get straight into the podcast. Um, Chris and I will be back in a couple of weeks' time with another bumper guest because we've got a few in the can. We hope you enjoy the Joss Butler podcast as well. And we've had some big names. The big names keep coming. It's Luke Wright here, World Cup winner Luke Wright, and the Shackles are Off podcast.
0: Luke, great to have you on the Shackles Rock podcast. Uh, we've been wanting to get you on for a while. We've talked about you quite a lot as well. We did a little T20 World Cup special last year, and we were talking about, well, you obviously came up quite a lot in, in that. And um, yeah, it's great to have you on. And I can't believe this is your 20th season. As a professional cricketer <laughs> it,
3: it feels about like my 30th to be honest but uh yeah it's mad isn't it i mean i i mean i can't imagine I remember a time where i wasn't at sussex it feels that long ago but um the lads are definitely getting younger at sussex and they look at me like who's this granddad hanging around at the minute so um it's uh it's certainly coming to the end at some point that's for sure
0: Oh really? No, don't say that. Don't say that. You're not <laughs> gonna do you're not gonna do a Stevo then, you know, Re, remodel yourself, make yourself into you know, just bowling the little wibbly wobblers. <laughs> no, I
3: think I think I've got a lot of got I've got one more year on my contract next year in T20, and I thought that's that would probably be me.
0: Oh, really? Oh dear me. Is that a shackles are off exclusive by the way? I think we've got <laughs>
3: <laughs> well it could be, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I haven't really thought about it, but I to be honest, I mean who knows what's gonna happen, but that's when my contract is, and I just I'd sort of in my head thought thirty eight is a pretty good stint, so um, oh, yeah, I, not don't want, I don't want to be like Steve-O, To be fair, good luck to him, but um, I, I can't <laughs> see me. I can't see me playing in the forties, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> to be yeah. fair, you've packed quite a lot in into that twenty years. Um, it's quite difficult to really know where to start, but that World Cup win is probably not a bad place, is it? To be fair, I mean, look, important, important innings and in, in, in contributions to that. That just seems you know, for people like Chris and I who watch that as sort of relatively young cricket fans, it just seems like the most unbelievable thing. It seems to grow a little bit more each year in terms of like how important that was. Absolutely quality. Do you, do, you, do you ever really reflect on, on that? When you're just having a quiet minute to yourself, the fact that you did win the World Cup with England with basically a team that just went out there and just treated it like it was a bit of fun and basically nobody got near to beating you. What an amazing achievement that was. Yeah,
3: I mean, I try and talk about it for at least an hour every day to all the lads, but <laughs> no one to listen anymore.
0: Um,
3: but no, I mean, it is it is incredible. I saw, a, I, in a way, I feel that at the time it was sort of, I think people did appreciate it, but it probably wasn't as big a thing as it probably would have been in the last sort of, you know, five, ten years if we'd won it now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was incredible. And to win it in Barbados... Um, and have the fun we had out there as well. I mean, and as you said, it was a team that you wouldn't necessarily, we were never going to be favourites looking at a team, but it just seemed to gel and it worked. And um, Collie was awesome as captain and it just, everything seemed to just go our way. Um, And then to beat, obviously, Australia in the final, I mean, you couldn't ask for anything better than that, could you? No, definitely not. Um, And we spoke to a few people on the the show
2: that have told us about the the famous night that ensued Was at Harbour Lights afterwards. It was um,
3: a bit of a bit, wasn't it? It wasn't bad actually. It was quite funny. We, because um, when we went out, I mean, someone's probably said we were trying to get in, and if you got in, uh, obviously, if you were part of the cricket team, then you got a certain colour wristband that got you free drinks in Harbour Lights, which was awesome. But the bouncer didn't believe that Treaders was was a cricketer, <laughs> and uh, we were we were stood outside with poor Treaders trying to Google him to show that the bouncer that he was part of the team. <laughs> <laughs> the poor lad and in the end we got the wristband but um yeah it was great fun i mean harbour lights is good fun at the best times isn't it so um Ooh. after you just won a world cup i think we were all sort of just you know almost in shock a little bit as well but it was great fun uh and it was nice because as you said we we're with all the barmy army fans just mixing in um which made it more special
0: yeah that's um it's something we've, we've spoken to a couple of young lads in the last few weeks on the podcast where we've spoken to Saki Mahmood, we've spoken to Matty Fisher as well. We've obviously had loads of sort of youngish lads, Ollie Pope and and, and Currens, et etc., on the podcast, Zach Crawley, young, young lads making their way in English cricket. And they all say the same thing, that they look forward to playing in front of the Balmy army and getting their own song and that kind of stuff. Was that something that was on your mind when you were, sort of making your way I know it's obviously it's just a goal in itself to play for England but playing for the Barmy Army is a big part of it right?
3: Yeah it was I mean to be honest I was never really good enough to get my own song so I never got that far but um, I I mean it was great fun I mean even like you know obviously in that World Cup final again going back I mean it was pretty much it felt like you know 90% Barmy Army so um, the crowd's amazing. I think for everyone, you know, and, and everyone, you know, I've obviously toured around the world playing in franchise cricket and everyone always talks about how much they enjoy the Balmy Army being away. You know, it makes it for Test cricket as well. So, yeah, it's great for the young lads. And um, hopefully they get their own song, like you said.
0: <laughs> Just, does anything really compare? Because when you look at some of these big T20 blast nights, I'm thinking Chris and I have been to a lot of the Roses games when we were living in Leeds. And there's there's so many different amazing stadiums packed out Friday night, all the flamethrowers bopping about, etc. Even finals day. Domestic cricket is just awesome over here. I've never actually been to a franchise game anywhere around the world. You've played loads and loads and loads of it. How does it differ? Is it like a completely different atmosphere? Can you compare? Can you compare a big T20? blast evening you know quarterfinals etc to a I don't know a, a group game in the IPL for example or a group game in the big batch how, how does it compare how does it differ how does it get your juices flowing as a cricketer
3: well I think in the IPL I mean they the fans just love cricket don't they so although they obviously have their team they support i think they're just so they're just so happy that they're watching cricket and they they love just seeing all the different stars don't they so even if they lose they're sort of still cheering the other team cheering players etc so you don't always feel like you get that huge rivalry whereas you know obviously watching that roses game the other day you see the passion in the fans as um see it in the players as desperation isn't there to to beat each other which is great and i think that's why you know you get a bit more banter at the games in in domestic cricket in England so to speak but no I think you know I was lucky in the big bash we obviously had the stars versus renegades um a lot and although although obviously it was from the same state this they soon was a big you know there was a massive rivalry it was almost one team either went with sort of Maxwell or the other team went with Aaron Finch and it was almost that was sort of similar in a, in a sense where it just was about players rather than actually just about you know to a county or so but um so that was that was awesome we obviously played for some huge crowds in the big bash but you know for us you know obviously our rivalry is Hampshire um and you feel it you know people are mm. desperate to beat each other um and I think it's great that the blast is thriving I know there's obviously there's been talk about can it survive and etc and for us absolutely you know I desperately hope it does and I'm, I'm sure it will because it's it's awesome to play in Um, And you see the local fans coming to watch, you know, we want the 100 to do well as well, but um, seeing the Sussex fans, they're desperate to keep watching cricket.
0: So good. Chris, you, um, you've you had the pleasure of watching Luke down the years and just one thing that actually struck me there. Why, why why, didn't Luke have his own bloody Barmy Army song? Are you going to have to put that to some of the older guard? I don't think Chris, to be fair, is to blame for this but Chris... I don't
3: think I ever batted for long enough to be able to get a
2: song. <laughs> that yeah, I think it's a, it's a latest form of the Barmy Army is more of an ODI and T20 following. I know we've we always done the major tournaments but there's a lot more tours going on following the ODIs and the T20 teams all around the world now. And I know, unfortunately, you never played a test match, did you? Well, not yet anyway. Um, so, but you, you were included in one squad. What was that like to have a, a, a time in the test squad, uh, unfortunately not to make the call? Was it quite deflating in your career or was it something
3: that you wanted to carry on trying and pushing towards? Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting because, I mean, everyone just presumes really that, you know, i would just been a T20 player now. That's all they sort of remember us for. But I mean, you know, I was just, as you said, I got into that test squad. I played close to 150 four-day games, championship games for Sussex. So for me, actually, you know, like everyone else, it was always the pinnacle. Uh, And I went on that South Africa tour and it it came pretty close, actually. I remember Belly was going through a horrendous time um, and Morsey pulled me aside before we were at Brisbane. Um, and said, look, I think you're going to make your debut tomorrow. Um, it's not set in stone, but we'll see, sort of thing. And I'm, I actually remember in the morning watching Jimmy Anderson was bowling left arm spin to belly in the morning, still getting him out. He was in that bad a nick somehow. Oh. And I thought, I'm definitely playing it." And um, Morsey actually came up to me and said, look, gut feel, we're going to go belly one more go, which was, to be fair, absolutely right. And he went and got 150, and that was, that was it. So it was absolutely the right decision. Um, and I think it had been... I think it have been a mark against test cricket if I'd have actually made a debut. It's probably fair enough to be honest. <laughs> so, um, but I, lo- I absolutely loved it. And, you know, and, and then it was really from that moment that England really just started picking me more obviously in white ball. So whenever I'd go back to my counter play for the cricket, but you know, whether it was in the evenings or on practice days, I was always getting ready for a, for a series with England. So I'd just be practicing white ball all the time. And like, like things happened. slowly got better at that. And obviously my red ball, uh, probably suffered slightly because of that. But um, I certainly have no regrets whatsoever.
0: Can you remember this, the time when you actually made a not a conscious decision? Because like you said, that you kind of realised that your game was suited to white ball and it's probably a natural progression. It's not like a light bulb moment. Ah, I'm going to play some franchise stuff. as a bit of a career. But can you remember kind of, a particular draft or a particular moment when you got a call from, I don't know, your agent or whatever. And you thought, actually, this is, this is good. I'm I'm enjoying this. I can basically become this kind of freelance player for hire, enjoy myself, go around the world. Everybody we speak to by the way about franchise cricket, you say it's awesome. Like so fun. All the stuff that we don't see here in the UK, all the little Gala dinners and meeting fans and meeting the sponsors and these big dudes. I mean, some of the experiences you must have had, mate, must be like off the charts, really. Yeah.
3: I mean, it wasn't, I, I wasn't sort of, as I said, it wasn't a conscious decision where I was saying, right, that's enough. I'm going to give it up. So I said, I kept playing 40 cricket a lot, but the one thing when you're in any England squads, you, you naturally don't play that much for your county. So when I would when I would, I probably seven games a year, then I was playing a championship cricket because of all the one day cricket or 2020. So it was really at that point where I started to really drift away from any chance of playing test cricket. Um and as you said, and then at that point it was almost right. Well, I was getting offered to these gigs around the world and um, it, it wasn't a case of right now, that's me done. But look, I mean, I you know playing franchise cricket, it made me a better player as well. I sometimes wish, you know, if I could have done the franchise cricket like a lot of the young lads do now, and then played my 100 games for England, you know, I feel like I could have done better. I was certainly a better player after playing all that franchise cricket. So, um, and look, it's, I mean, it's amazing fun. It's, it is awesome fun. And I think the one thing that ECB, I mean, I remember me and Rav were talking the other day about it, uh, Papara, was saying, I remember getting a call off Sachin Tendulkar, I think, in the second or third year of the IPL. Wow. And I thought, I thought it was bloody Chris Nash, to be honest. I thought he was <laughs> taking the mix. And um, he offered me to go and play for the Mumbai Indians. And, um, but it, I, I mean, the ECB then said, no, you know, if you go, if you go off to the IPL, um, you won't get picked for England. So I remember me and Ravi actually turned it down. So from where it's gone now to where they encourage the lads to go, um, you know, which is absolutely right. I mean, it does make you a better player, especially obviously for white ball. But um I've loved it. I mean, mates around the world. I met my miss, my wife's obviously from New Zealand. So all these different things that um, has changed my life really with franchise cricket's been amazing.
2: Which is yeah. which is your favourite? Which is your fave? You you must have a, a certain
0: preference. Don't say bas- this, Chris. He's trying to get a job, probably, you know, batting <laughs> consulting. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: big I mean Big Bash was special for me. I it was I it was the first time I'd you know obviously been an overseas, especially playing over in Australia. Um, and the crowds, I mean, in those first sort of four or five years, um, I mean, the crowds were insane. Um, the competition was amazing. And our team was, you know, was a joke at, um, at the stars. Like, I mean, got to play with Shane Warne. I mean, to uh, play under, with Shane Warne was incredible. And to play with him in Australia was, you know, something so special. I mean, every ground we played at, we, we'd be sold out to see Warney, And then as soon as he'd come on to bowl, even all the away fans, everyone stood up and would just bow into Warney um so to be part of that i mean you know it's something else
0: class that's so cool that's so cool i mean what strikes me is that sometimes because we are so insular I'm, I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone with this is that we watch it and be it and here and there we enjoy it and you might have a favorite franchise and you sort of chat about it with your mates at the club or on the whatsapp group and this kind of thing and then you kind of almost forget until the following year so forgive me on this but some of the teammates you'll have played with down the years i mean you will have a list that 30 years ago you just wouldn't have been able to ring off i played with this person this person this person this person this person you must have like one of the best lists in the world for that you know like legendary just people you spent six weeks with for goodness sake hit us with some of the most interesting ones that you've that you've been with and people that you kind of went whoa okay meant warning one of them
3: yeah, I, I mean, Warney was massive. I mean, I remember him walking into the change room and just being, and he was going out with Liz Hurley as well at the time, and she was <laughs> coming in the change room as well, and it was just that, I was so starstruck with him. But um, obviously, it's such, it's so sad what happened. I mean, but I'm just so thankful that I got that chance to to play with him and meet him. But yeah, he was obviously a wow moment um, playing with Chris Gale. I mean, I I played in so many franchise tournaments against him. Um, so I finally, I think it was in the T10 recently. I got I finally got to to play with him and, and bat with him, um, which was amazing. But again, even people like Yuvraj Singh, I mean, Yuvraj was, you know, obviously played so much against him playing for India. Uh, and that's going back to when I was saying how good it is to play Francis create in terms of improving, being able to sit and talk to him about playing spin in India. Um, yeah. Even someone like Angelo Matthews, Ross Taylor, uh, Brett Lee. I mean, I've been so lucky to play with all of them. Um, and, and the big thing you realise is that just normal blokes, I think, were so... You see these people and you think they're robots because they're so good at cricket. And for the mere mortals like myself, you you know you you sort of think they're something else. But actually, being able to play with them and and see they're just normal guys, they get nervous like most others. You know they have the same things they worry about. Um, and that that actually was a, a big thing for us. You know, seeing that side of the other people. And you and you know we're all cricket badgers. We talk to them. You're talking to them all the time about things you need to improve or what they do. Um, and that's where you learn. You know, it's awesome.
2: You know the West Indies, Lou. We were obviously all fascinated with the Alan Stanford documentary when it came out. Um, you obviously played a, a quite a big role in that as a as a player, and also then on the recording of the TV show. What what was the, I know you spoke about it on you spoke about this previously. but What was that experience like? Was, was it all all a bit bizarre from the get go,
3: or, or was it something that you were quite excited by? Oh, I was excited about it. I mean. Um, at the time I mean it was sort of you know as I said I haven't been in team that long so it was crazy the thought of that money when, I, when you think yeah. about even if someone said that tomorrow that you're going to play you'd be excited about it um, but as I said from that moment the whole lead up to it the time we were out there everything was just bizarre um, and obviously you know it's all unfolding now with all what, what was going on and why it was so bizarre um, but yeah crazy time to think what what happened and what. And it doesn't really seem real now um, yeah and it's crazy to think that actually in a way you sort of relieved that we didn't win in a way because I think it would have been it would have been even worse but to even say that seems pretty bizarre doesn't it for a million dollars each um but yeah it's, it's a, a strange time but it was good fun in the documentary I mean the stuff that I didn't even I couldn't even you know I didn't even know about um, watching it back and yeah. a few times they had to even remind us about some of the other stuff that was what was going on but um, yeah crazy times
0: unbelievable it's such a such a cool story to have been a part of, even though actually, you know, I know there's loads of sad parts to it and people sort of losing their money and stuff, but from your perspective and from the cricketer's perspective, being used as a commodity basically to try and, I don't know, it, it was just the whole thing. The story is amazing. If people haven't seen this, by the way, go and have a look. It's it's absolutely astonishing. It's a good podcast that Greg James hosts as well, um, which basically is like the TV show version. It's a brilliant, brilliant story. Um, I want to talk to you about something in 2014. A lot of the listeners won't know about this, and I suspect that this is in our kind of notes here because our producer, Chuck, is, um, is a Sussex Badger. Um But there was a time eight years ago you were part of a record T20 run chase. You made 153 red, and it was despite Sussex nearly missing the start because of traffic. <laughs> Explain this one. I've never heard this okay. one before.
3: Well, what I realized in that moment was that warm ups were overrated and I've been trying (laughs) to badger on for years saying, look, I got my best ever score and I didn't even warm up. But we, um, yeah, I mean, we set off okay, but there's almost like flash flooding, like it literally chucked it down and we're trying to get through Dartford Tunnel and the end of Dartford Tunnel basically flooded for whatever reason. So Tucker's hours to get to the game and we actually got there I think we got there with five minutes to spare so they put the game back 10 minutes we walked out to um Nashie lost the toss and I remember or well, we won the toss and we were fielding I can't remember which way it was and we got smashed all over the park and it was almost laughable like the coach the coach at the time was going mad everyone was saying what shambles it was and everything so for me it was just like free go I, you know we're chasing loads of runs I'm going to go out and have an absolute slog and then the first few came out the middle and it went from there really. and it was crazy. I think we knocked him off in about 18 overs or something. It was <laughs> literally mad. Remember Matt Machin got 50 as well. But um, just one of those crazy times. But it's quite nice to remind Ravi obviously who's with Sussex now about slogging some of his slow balls about. And...
0: <laughs> I just think so you're obviously, you know, batting consultant um, now for the Melbourne Stars, and um, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, you want to probably go into coaching. Is that something that you're going to be telling them? Is it in, in the franchises? Warm ups are overrated, lads. On you go. I
3: around. think. Do you know what? More and more people. I mean, if you, I'm sure you've all, you've obviously all been to loads of T20 games, and what you realise is that by the time you actually come to do the warm-up, the lads have already done the bowl through, people have hit, people are doing catching. There's, you know, there's so many things that have already happened. So I think what even coaches have realised now, it's more a time just to get everyone together. It's, it's more that, right, bring everyone together, get ready, rather than now massive warm-ups and stretching like they used to be. I mean, we used to warm up back in the day for sort of 40 minutes of running around, stretching, more running, you know, absolutely knackered by the time the game started. (laughs) Whereas they have actually become shorter and shorter, sort of, you know, as I said, just more of a switch on thing now um but you know as an older bloke the lesser warm up the better to be honest with you
0: nice cup of tea and a biscuit and out you go Absolutely, with your bat on your yeah. arm yeah I like that mate yeah I like that <laughs> are you um are you, are you harboring ambitions i'm guessing this batting consultancy stuff is probably something that you want to take a little bit further maybe go into a bit of coaching you'll have not only played alongside some of these amazing names that we mentioned a minute ago but you'll have worked with some incredible coaches for short periods of times and and obviously experienced a variety of different coaching sort of techniques, batting coaches, etc. In, in the England setup, who have you drawn from? Who who do you sort of look at and go, yeah, they they were pretty good, and yeah, they will be all right, and etc.
3: Yeah, I think I mean Stephen Fleming really stands out as a coach, um, and it struck me a chord really. I mean, when he became, um, I spoke to him about becoming a coach and a head coach, and I said, you know, what's the biggest thing that you draw on? You know, and he said. I just wanted to get rid of all the things that annoyed me as player is what I want to take on and be a coach, which actually made a hell of a lot of sense. Um, and it's no surprise. I mean, he's always been a good thinker of the game, but I mean, you know, obviously he's gone and he's gone and been an unbelievable coach. He's obviously won so many times in the IPL, et cetera. Um, and it's a shame more teams can't get him to do other, you know, test match cricket and stuff. Cause he, as I said, he's, he's such a great uh, manager and Dave Hussey's another one, obviously at the stars he, he's been awesome again. Um, but not, there's, there's plenty of coaches that I've played with that you draw different bits from. Obviously, Andy Flower's serial winner. Um, you know, the things he's doing. I mean, even now, I think he got to the quarter, you know, the semi finals of the IPL again. Every time he goes into a competition, he gets deep into a competition. He's a bit more relaxed now than he used to be. He used to be a bit more of a shouter, be pretty intense. When I play, I used to be scared to death of him. Um, but it's nice to see him a bit more chilled these days. But yeah, I mean, to be honest for me, I mean, I've just done a master's in directorship of sports. So I mean, I, I harbour ambitions to almost be above sort of trying to put coaches in place and, and structures in place is, is where my where I'd like to potentially end up. But for me, really, why I'm still playing, I'm, I'm trying to do as much coaching and, and see where it takes me. I absolutely love coaching as well. Um, but just try and get a coach's perspective as well. I mean, it become you, you soon realise it's very different to being a player. Um, and, you know, I, I enjoy it all. So I'm just trying to go with the flow and see where it takes you, really.
0: Yeah. And I just want to put your brains on Baz McCullum because, wow, what an, what an appointment that is. At time of recording, we've not seen England play a test match under his stewardship yet as coach. Stokes, he is captain as well. Let's not forget that part. What were your thoughts? I want to know your initial reaction when you saw that, because he's a man that you'll know and you'll have come across plenty of times around the world, Luke. When that came out, did you think the same as us and just go, oh, hello, there might not be many day five test matches?
3: <laughs> I, do you know what? I'm not just saying this. Um, I'd said the lads were all chatting in the changing room about who would you have. And I'd actually said, if I was Rob Key, I'd go and get Baz McCollum. Um and I never thought it would actually happen, but I I think it's awesome. And I, I think the fact that he's going to be doing uh, the Test match side as well, I think as I think Ross Taylor did an interview saying he didn't see it happening, but if it did, he thought it'd be the white ball. But I, I think it's really smart. I think it's I think it's he's someone that's going to give us a, a bit of a lift. And he said, you know, as he said, Test cricket needs England to do well as a, as a whole. Um, and I think all players are going to be excited about the way that he completely changed that New Zealand team around. I mean, look at them now. I mean. Number one in the world, where they've been winning the Test Championship. I mean, you can, everyone loves watching New Zealand play cricket, and that was all started from McCollum. And I know when people say about, well, he wasn't he wasn't head coach; he was captain. But I mean, you listen and talk to any players who were involved in that; he, he pretty much ran the show, um, and just happened to be playing as well. So I, I think it's a great appointment. It's going to take time, obviously. You know, things don't change overnight, but. I think straight away it gives everyone a lift, doesn't it? And um, I'm sure he's, he's going to be successful along with with Stokesy. Um, but again, I think it's, it does take time, but I'm really excited about what it's going to bring for us.
0: Chris? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say you were excited about it as well. <laughs> um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's such an inspired appointment, that, isn't it? Um, England's white ball stuff. I just want to pick your reins before we, we let you go. Um about the fact that in fact we've got we've got a very very big burning question to ask you very 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 important we'll save that till the end um that's that's completely not true by the way it's something completely nonsensical we um we that build up that whole revolution that white ball revolution effectively England are trying to implement that same thing with the red ball here you'd suspect they're going to try and create that kind of excitement, but also hope for the same level of patience from England supporters in terms of getting themselves back to the very top of, of the Red Bull game. You, in a way, kind of missed out a little bit on that white ball revolution. And I felt for you massively, actually, really, because you'd been such a big part of that just prior to it. And then you kind of missed it, that whole World Cup thing. And not completely, you were still kind of part of it. Um, And I'm sure that If you ask Owen Morgan, um, if you ask him about your contribution to that, he'd probably speak in glowing terms. What was the way that you saw that? Because it must have been a bit gutting the fact that you weren't part of that whole kind of dynasty of of success that we now are probably going to talk about for generations. But we all remember just before where you were there scoring loads and loads of runs in an England shirt and part of that white ball, that new sort of way of playing. So just want to see how you see that really.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I, I think you always get jealous when you saw what they're building, you know, right? and in terms of sticking with players. I think Jason Roy's been the perfect example. You know, there was a time, I remember watching, you know, I think it was seven months he was struggling to score runs, I think it was two or three series, but Morgz kept coming out and saying, he will help us win a World Cup. If he gets in form, he's going to help us win a World Cup. And he's absolutely right. And I think we, you know, when we played, I was probably, in, in terms of 50 over cricket, one of the few that was trying to play that game as you said before, it was almost acceptable. Um, and a lot of the times it was when I got a chance at the top, it was that whole go and play with freedom, but then get caught mid off. And then the next game you're batting eight again, or you're not playing. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was really difficult, you know, and and I, I wish I'd been given a, a bit of a run at it, but I mean, that's just the way it is. And like you say, things, I think, especially for Morgs when we won, when we did win the T20 uh, team, the one thing that Collie did was bringing that, this is going to be the team. We're sticking by it. We're not going to chop and change. And obviously we started to win, which always helps. But it, I think that was almost the start of it. I think obviously Mold being part of that would have would have realised that was that was the way to go. And, and obviously what him and Strauss then put together has been amazing. And there's no no surprise. I mean, the, the guys now, I mean, they're on a different level, aren't they? And it's not just that, that 15 players in the squad. There's another 30 lads that you could pick as well. And it showed, you know, during the COVID year against Pakistan, I think we picked our second or third team. And they're still awesome. And you, you feel for some of the players now who can't get in the team. Um, but that's like almost like Australia, you know, in the 90s when they had the test team that there's gun players who just couldn't get in that team. And that's where we are in white ball. And that's where we need to get to in test cricket, where we're leaving serious players out um, just because it's a team you can't get in. And, and hopefully, and I have no doubts, you know, we can get there. There's enough talent in county cricket. It's just getting it out of players and um, getting the right characters, I think, is a big one. I mean, you're looking at white ball team those characters are, are nailed on blokes um and i think that's now what, what we're looking for in test cricket isn't it
0: yeah not half not half well said as well to be fair it's a good way of looking at it. and you've got your world cup winner's medal anyway luke come on i think, I, I think, my,
3: dad, I think my dad's got it somewhere isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he's nicked it somewhere i think
0: love it um chris cricket tease um hmm it's a tricky one to try and explain. So it's not, it's quite a simple question. Um, Just wondering, actually, before we do ask you this, uh, this very burning question that we're now asking every one of our guests for some stupid reason. I think it was my idea. Now I'm thinking a spit daft, isn't it? Um, But we, um what, you know, when you're playing T20 cricket, we obviously have played the traditional club games and village cricket, etc. cetera. And, um, what what's it like T20 wise? I'm guessing that it's a far more professional setup than county cricket with the teas. I'm guessing it's all energy bars and you've had your carbs like the footballers do, you know, a couple of hours before the game, etc. It's not, you don't get your traditional cricket teas when you're playing in the uh, Pakistan Super League or the Indian Premier League, do you?
3: Well that's why I'm not going to play so i on 40 yard because it's uh, that's another reason that's uh, getting me out warm ups and the lack of good teas anymore yeah it's all cuss and all this stuff which is which is not right so um, we actually had a really good old school we had a um, second team game warm up game we played at Preston Nomads an outground in Sussex which is stunning ground and the lady there put on a proper old school just spread normal tea and it, I've never been so happy honestly it was unbelievable <laughs> But then we went back straight back to home, and we're back on the uh, the boiled veg and all that sort of stuff. So, yes, yeah, I'm uh, time for me to go at some point. I'm certainly not hanging on to that.
0: Love it. Well, we just we've just we spoke to Matty Fisher a little bit earlier, and he was on about the fact that um you know he's he's like a you know Yorkshireman loves his loves his um club club cricket still like goes and watches his local club. He was telling us, um, and he, I said, come on, hit me hit me up, and um, he said, cold pizza. Ham and cheese sandwich, uh, a few crisps and 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 that kind of thing, and and a cup of tea and a nice big scone. Right, so this is what we need from you here, Luke. Is a sandwich, a savoury snack, a sweet treat, and a drink. That's what that's what we need from you. So come on, hit us up. You're obviously
3: on thinking about it. Love a cocktail sausage.
0: Okay, nice, nice. Happy
3: with that. Cheese and pickle sandwich for
0: me. Cool. Victoria sponge. Oh, is that is, is that your little say uh, your sweet treat, yeah?
3: Well, when we were at Bottisford, the uh Helen who used to do the teas, the Victoria Sponge, homemade Victoria Sponge was unbelievable. Um, and just orange squash, I just remember it as a kid. Orange squash, we don't really have it around anymore.
0: <laughs> orange squash. What like the is that the dilute? Is that the, bitter, just the dilute you know, stuff? Yeah, it's yeah, gotta be the, the right water.
3: mix sometimes, yeah. Get it wrong. it yeah, easy get it wrong.
0: You can't but, beat that at drinks as well, somebody toddling out with the jug and all the... All
3: the yeah, because it, now it's all electrolytes and these tablets and stuff, but a bit of, bit of old-school orange juice put in there, dilute orange juice, top drawer. Tell you what, cheese pickles not been on the radar, really, has it? I think that's a no. great shout. I enjoyed cheese pickle.
0: Yeah. Any crisps?
3: Monster munch back in the day. At ours, it was <laughs> a bit of a... <laughs>
0: I love that cold pizza what do you think of Matty, Matty Fisher wanting cold pizza
3: See, I like cold pizza but we never actually had that back in the day everything was to be fair to when at Bottersford everything was like homemade always was it? So like apart from the crisps it would literally be she'd just do everything like all the cakes oh. were all nailed on like it's got everything was done even the I think even the bread was I mean I think she made it herself and things nah. like that it's amazing yeah
0: that's awesome Quality. Quality. Any, any charity games down at Bottersford?
3: No, not that not, well, I haven't been invited back to any, so maybe I wasn't. <laughs> maybe they didn't enjoy me that much.
0: <laughs> or too much of the teas,
3: but I was uh, gonna
0: say, say yeah, maybe that well, Chris and I were thinking, oh, yeah, we could, could come down there. Uh, yeah, but
3: that, but you always get, I always think, whenever you ask like village cricketers about any other ground, they talk about the teas first rather than the wicket or what it looks like. It's just about <laughs> what the teas like. Very
0: yeah. yeah, it's true. Um, we asked um Jason Holder. And I said, you know, come on, you you played over a bit of county cricket, you'll have experienced a bit of that and, um, and maybe even popped to see some of the local cricket or whatever. And what did you think? He said, Lords. I was like, well, that's not really an answer, but Lords is what he said. Is Lords really as good as people say it is?
3: Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, it is unbelievable. We used to have um, Jason Lurie that would literally make sure that he bowled before lunch so that he knew he couldn't bowl after lunch at Sussex. <laughs> always would do it. He'd beg for the ball. And then you'd never see him do it for the rest of the 15 games anywhere else. He'd never bowl before lunch. But the amount of times he bowled bowl that, it was... Yeah, the Lords is... I mean, Lords is gone anyway, but the food is tremendous. That's- so it's the one place if you get out before lunch, you're actually you not too disappointed softens the blow <laughs> it does soften it softens the blow i bagged them at lords and i had the best week ever honestly i was a bit like of all the places i'd normally been devastated but i just absolutely filled my boots yes. but i got actually i smashed board. in a bacon sandwich in the morning and i'd put my picture of the bacon typical pitching you know, on the balcony bacon sandwich but i'd done it over the balcony looking at lords And then I went and bagged them, and I got absolutely hammered by the Sussex supporters telling me to stay off the fatty foods and score some runs.
1: Oh, no.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you wouldn't want county cricket fans any other way, Luke. No, absolutely right.
3: (laughs) Blaming it was, yeah, it was the bacon sandwich that reason I got a pair.
0: Luke, great to have you on, mate. Um, All the best for your 20th professional season and the shackles are off exclusive. Maybe 21st, uh, <laughs> in professional cricket as well. Uh, top man, really appreciate you coming on. Um, we'll have you on again and um, we'll chat a few things through. Um, at another point where it's uh, well, we can have a chat to you in a bit more depth, but yeah, top man, Luke, absolute hero for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thanks,
3: man. Cheers, guys. Good to see
0: you. Cheers, pal.
2: Podcast Network.